It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, we continue the mailbag episode that started yesterday. We got just so many darn good questions, we have to dive into them. On today's show, we'll talk about guys on the Raptors who need to make the biggest leaps for the Raptors to improve the most next year. We'll also get into some aesthetic questions. What should the Raptors perhaps be named if they weren't named the Toronto Raptors? What should their jerseys look like to try to revamp and make them look not so boring? We get into all of that and so much more on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Pete. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1219 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, July the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe for the low, low price of free. Support the show over there. Big red subscribe button. You simply cannot miss it if you go find the channel on YouTube, and it's much appreciated when you take the time to support the show in that very quick and most importantly free fashion so thank you in advance and thank you for making us your first listen of the day all right lots of mailbag questions to get to here as we finish up uh emptying the mailbag that came in yesterday i got a ton of questions before yesterday's podcast didn't get to all of them on yesterday's show still won't get to all the ones that came in when i put out the call for questions uh by the end of this show but we do have some really juicy ones to dive on into and uh i think we should start with this one. This one here comes from Jordan Rygear. I apologize if I'm pronouncing this last name incorrectly. There's sort of two prongs to it. I'll start with the second, but I'll read the whole thing out first. Raptors ranking of who takes the biggest leap next season, biggest step next season, and do you read anything into the whole team showing up at Summer League sans OG plus Kevin Thad? Um, I'll answer the second part first. I'm not worried about that in any way. Uh, guys have other stuff going on in the summers. It, I, honestly, I kind of respect anyone who's like, you know what? Summer League's not for me. I have other stuff to attend to. Um, you know, maybe there's something going on there with OG. I really don't know how to read into it all. It doesn't seem to me like OG is the type to agitate. Um, but, you know, you never know how, what guys are like behind closed doors. I'm still not personally worried. We've seen Scotty Barnes defending OG's honor at times this season when his name's popped up in trade rumors and things like that. Not terribly concerned. Kem and Thad, I mean, those guys, what are they doing at Summer League? You guys are adults. <laughs> Go and uh, enjoy your off-seasons, I say. Um, but no, until there's like something to be alarmed about tangibly with OG, 
I'm going to assume that things are pretty copacetic and they're going to go into next season with OG on the team and everything will be lovely. You know, I could understand if OG were a little bit uh, perturbed, perhaps, that his name keeps coming up in Kevin Durant trade conversations, but I I think that's just part of the game, honestly. And, you know, I'm sure cooler heads will prevail regardless of what happens here. And, and, you know, Gary Trent Jr. has been equally mentioned in all these conversations, same as Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, even though Barnes has been mentioned as a non-starter. I I just, I I don't think that it's too much to be concerned about. It's easy to want to sort of take the off-season happenings and want to look too deeply at them, but I would imagine, you know, it could be as simple as OG had a doctor's appointment or something like that. So no, I'm not terribly concerned. He wasn't down there in Vegas and the whole team looks like they're in pretty good spirits. So I think I'm going to sort of take the grand picture of things more so than one specific absence to sort of tell the story of where they're at. As far as ranking the guys who might take the biggest steps next season, I think the way I'd like to frame this is actually who are the most important guys when it comes to internal leaps for the Raptors to see growth as a team? You know, they won 48 games last season. They looked really good down the stretch of the year. They want to expand upon that. You know, there's always the world in which they regress a little bit here. And in a tough Eastern Conference, they win fewer than 48 games. But I still think you could see growth in terms of what the actual team's ceiling is and things like that. The win total less important than sort of the process that gets you there. And so I do think that there are some guys whose leaps are very important to what the Raptors are doing. And two guys pop to mind. One is Scotty Barnes. That one feels kind of like the obvious answer here. He obviously showed a ton last season. What was it, like 15, 7, and 3? 15, 7, and 4 he averaged as a rookie. 15, 8, and 4. He, his numbers were awesome. Let's put it that way. And I think even more so than the numbers... We saw the burgeoning shot creation that I think is going to turn him eventually into a star player. That's what all star players need. It's sort of the the last key ingredient to unlock to get to stardom. You can do all the good things correctly. You can be great at all the sort of in-between stuff, the catch and shoot, the cutting. If you can't create your own shot, you're never going to be considered a true star in the sort of pure sense of the form. Sure, Rudy Gobert doesn't create shots, but also Rudy Gobert gets maligned all the time for not creating those shots. And I think is kind of considered a little bit lower in sort of the tiers than your typical sort of on-ball creative players who are going to drive teams to productive postseason offense and things like that. Um, So, you know, I think a bit of growth in terms of just sort of Scotty's refinement on the jumper, the three-point shot, obviously. He was 31% last season. If he can tick that up to 34 35%, that's massive because it makes the Raptors' whole scheme of playing enormously and having guys at, you know, with length at every position, it makes it more viable if Scotty Barnes is going to be a like a credible three-point threat and you're not so much worried about the spacing concerns. And, you know, if teams are going to leave him open, you'll be happy with that if he's knocking down 35% of his triples. Um, so that's it. You know, I also think just sort of the general playmaking awareness from Scotty Barnes needs to grow a little bit. As much as I love the no-look passes and the sort of passes where he finds a guy who doesn't even realize he's open until the ball's been turned over, like he's got to, I think, kind of realize who he's working with at times and sort of, you know, tone down the overzealousness with the creative passing and sort of work with the guys that he's with. That will build over time and they'll become more attuned to the fact that he's going to be brazen with the passes he tries. That's sort of a long-term chemistry thing that you would figure would build over time. But that I, I think Scotty's leap is, you know, both predictable and necessary for the Raptors to continue this forward positive trajectory that they seem to be on. The other guy is Precious Achua, and this kind of will fall in the Raptors lap a little bit in terms of how much leash they give him to try and make a leap. You know, he's been kind of thrown around 
as like a sexy potential most improved player candidate. And I actually kind of like that pick. It's pretty fun. I think he might be a little bit buried in terms of overall shot attempts and just like there's not enough ball for Precious Achua to really see the gigantic leap that you typically see from most guys who win most improved. But you know, you could argue that last season, from the start of the season to the end of the season, if that were an award, Precious Achua was the most improved player. He was just a mess at the very start of the season, kicking balls around, getting offensive rebounds and dragging them down to the floor and then having those, you know, poked away or stolen or blocked or whatever and just sort of falling into the void. Whereas by the end of the season, he was going up confidently on those offensive putbacks. We know the three-point shooting came along. The defensive versatility really started to shine. And if there's a carryover of that into next season, I mean, if he's just the player he was in the last two months, that's huge for next year's Raptors. If there's even more to tap into there, a little bit more refinement, a little bit more sort of control on his drives and things like that, you could be looking at a really, really interesting player in Precious Achua in year number three. And I think a leap from him will just sort of make it so the Raptors are a little bit unassailable in terms of the lineups they have on the floor. Their defense is always going to have a floor if he's around you know, along with OG and Siakam. There's just too many good defenders around. And if he's justifying his play with the same offense we saw at the back part of last year, or perhaps a little bit of an expanded package, that's going to be a problem for other teams. And so, you know, and I've also said too, that Precious Achua, among everyone on the team, is the guy who most unlocks Vision Six Foot Nine as a viable concept because he can play as a center and do center-related things. He's not a typical drop center. He's not Brook Lopez where you can play a conservative style of defense with him and he's long enough and has the sort of reach and the angling to be a really good defender who can tag the roller and also deal with the with the ball handler. He's maybe more of an aggressive style of pick-and-roll defender, and maybe that's great because he's so versatile and fast and mobile that maybe you want to try to use that to your advantage a little bit. But, you know, I, I just think... If he can, again, justify being on the floor offensively in big moments, and if he can get himself up to 30 minutes a game, the defense is going to be so good with that. Like He's just such a driver of strong defensive performance. He was all last year. He's a good driver of rebounding as well, which was a big problem for the Raptors last season too. I think Precious Achua with just sort of justifying his presence on the floor for more than half the game is going to be a really, really huge internal leap for the Raptors to count on. And I think him and Barnes are really the two guys. Those are easy. They're t- they're 21 and 23 or whatever they are. Like, of course, you want to see those kinds of growth, you know, spurts from guys from their game from year one to two or year two to three. But those guys, I think, are very obvious, you know. As far as like OG goes, I feel like we've kind of maybe learned what OG is and what he isn't, and that's fine. And that's what he is is a wonderful player who fills all the gaps and is fantastic. Um, You know, and I think the other leap is maybe Pascal Siakam, who we're actually going to talk about on an episode coming up with Vivek Jacob to kind of talk about what a Pascal Siakam leap might look like, considering all that he did last season. Is there even a way to improve upon that? That'll be a show that we drop during August, actually, as uh, I'll be away, and we'll drop that as an evergreen thing to talk about Pascal. But either way. Those are the two, Scotty and Precious, the two big leaps that I'm looking at for next season that will sort of dictate the most whether the Raptors can improve upon what they were last season or not. Uh, From there, we're going to take it into a a little break. We're going to come back and talk about some lineup combinations that are particularly fun, dig into some numbers on one lineup that I think the Raptors should be going to a whole lot and uh, that the question was asked about uh, from a listener asking how this particular lineup might fare next season. So we'll get to that. We also have a few aesthetic fun questions we'll get to in the final segment of the show. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over 
at oh who's our, who do we have today our, oh, my, my my thing is messing up here our friends are bet online of course we love bet online of course the number one place for all of your sports wagering needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games find reviews and news of every single league including major league baseball the nfl nba nhl combat sports esports even golf bet online continues to be the top resource for all your sports wagering information you get podcasts and reviews covering injury situations why the lions are moving the way they are they are here to make you the informed wager and maybe you're someone who wants to throw down some futures bets the raptors are currently projected for 44 and a half wins for next season we know history tells us the raptors are going to hit the over and probably buy a lot go make some easy money and pick the raptors over at bet online and you will be swimming in the cash in about a year's time head to the bet on head to bet online today use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your mailbag edition of Locked On Raptors on a Wednesday. Uh, just a quick look at what's coming up for the rest of the week. On Thursday, we have John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. He's going to pop in. We're going to do a bit of a state of the Eastern Conference conversation. Check in on what all the moves mean, assuming no Kevin Durant trade. Where do the Raptors slot in? Where do the Celtics slot in? Where do the other rest of the teams slot in? That should be fun. We always love John, the only acceptable Celtics fan. Plus, on Friday, Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report is going to pop by to give us an update on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes and where things sit negotiation wise there that'll be friday keep an eye out for that but now more mailbag questions let's get to this one here from charlie bender who asks how effective do you think a lineup of og scotty pascal precious and boucher would be uh and this sort of i want to spin into a bigger conversation about just the general excitement i have over the different lineup combinations the raptors are going to have at their disposal next season because they have nine guys who I think are pretty interchangeable and you can kind of piece guys with one another and sort of find those combinations for in-between lineups and bench lineups and different starting units, I think it's going to be a really fascinating team to watch, as it was last year. The Raptors tried a whole bunch of weird stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't, but it was all entertaining and all really thrilling to kind of behold. And I think that's going to be the case very much again this season, except with fewer guys who are kind of sore thumbs sticking out in those lineups. There will be no Sfima Hailuk sticking out of lineups that he doesn't really belong in. There will be probably very little Malachi Flynn and probably very little even in the form of like Kem Birch, for example. I think the top nine... It's going to be pretty ironclad going into this season, and that creates all sorts of fun little chess machinations you can do to sort of pair up guys with skills that might overlap or complement one another. And I think the really cool thing is that this team has a lot of guys whose skills are very complementary to other players. Pascal Siakam, so good at driving kick. If you put him sh- with, with shooters around him, he's going to be in heaven because the space he'll have to drive to the bucket, whenever he's had space as a driver in his career, not talking about the Tampa season where he was driving into five bodies every single time or parts of last season where the same thing happened. Whenever he's had space around him, think back to the 2019-20 season where he made his all-NBA leap and he was not the best player on that team because I still think that was Kyle Lowry, but he was the driver in a lot of ways of the 
offense and the drive and kick stuff there. That's kind of where we saw the very, very beginnings of that. We saw more of that in the 2021 season, the Tampa season, where as much as it was a rough year, we saw the seedlings of a more advanced playmaker planted for Pascal. Last year, obviously, another step there. And if you get more shooting around him, which he might have more shooting on this year's team in certain lineups than he's ever had, if you bake in Precious Achua kind of carrying over what he did at the back part of last year, bringing in Otto Porter Jr., hoping for a bounce back from Boucher, healthy Fred, healthy OG, healthy Gary, there could be some pretty shooting-heavy lineups around Pascal that are pretty exciting. And then you got other guys whose skill complement one another, too. You, you have Fred Van Vliet, who can play on or off the ball, depending on who he's playing with, and you know really focus in on the 3 and D aspects of things versus being a, uh, an on-ball creator. Although he can be an on-ball creator because he's got a pull-up game to him, and he's got, you know I think, a growing and burgeoning ability to create going downhill, mostly on driving kicks to create threes, but still, that's a very important skill to have. OG, obviously, a great cutter who can play off of other guys. Gary Trent Jr., you can bring him around screens. You can throw the ball to him late in the clock. He can make things happen. All these guys do so many different things well. Maybe there's no one who does anything great, but I think it all kind of comes together and makes it so your lineup combinations are a little more fun to sort of pick and choose because it really is just like, all right, I'll go into a dim sum thing place and just pick all the different things you want. You can kind of do that when you're building out a Raptors lineup, and I think that's really fun. And so for me, the lineup that's laid out here, Scotty, OG, Pascal, Precious, Boucher, kind of the Vision six foot nine lineup, right? Like this is the epitome of Vision six foot nine. And, you know, I think on paper, it makes some sense. You need Chris Boucher to kind of bounce back three-point shooting-wise. I think you need Pascal and or Barnes to kind of have a bit of an uptick there as well. You do get a couple of good shooters, OG obviously being the best one. Precious, we've seen at least a pretty decent sample of him being a good shooter. That's nothing to count on necessarily, but I do think there's something here. The offense might be a struggle just because of the lack of proven spacing. It would have to require internal development to make this an effective lineup next season. Just to pull up the numbers from Cleaning the Glass, this lineup played 51 possessions last season. Uh, Not a terribly huge sample. And it's a lot like the projected starting lineup that I would like to see of Fred, OG, Pascal, Barnes, and Achua. That lineup was incredible defensively, really rough offensively, ended up near the top of the league in terms of overall point differential. And it's the exact same case with this OG, Barnes, Siakam, Boucher, Achua lineup. 51 possessions played, plus 10.3 point differential, 5th percentile in offensive efficiency, 102 points per 100 possessions, and then on defense, 100th percentile, 91.7 points per 100 allowed. Uh, The offensive rebounding rate, 36.1, 99th percentile among all lineups on cleaning the glass. So kind of the profile of the prototypical Raptors lineup these days, these sort of long rangey, not lineups you're going to start with or close with necessarily, but lineups you're going to throw at teams in the middle of games to get them off kilter and really sort of muck up the works. And I think this kind of lineup is much like that projected starting lineup that I would like to see. It's pretty much the same. You just swap in uh, Boucher for Fred Van Vliet and you're all set. So yeah, I I think this would be a lineup I'd be happy to see. A couple others that I kind of scribbled down on a notepad coming into today. Just sort of lineups I'm intrigued by. Uh, One is Scotty with Gary Trent Jr., OG, Siakam, and Precious. So same idea. You just swap out Fred or Boucher. 
put in Gary Trent Jr. That Scotty OG Siakam precious for for some like that is kind of the the money of this team, the backbone. As much as Fred VanVleet is obviously a part of the fabric of the team as well, that four man crew of dudes who can switch everything and play across all positions, that's really what the core tenets of the team are all about. And so kind of swapping any player in there, just sort of checking to see how it all works, I think is pretty fun. That lineup I just laid out, the OG, Barnes, Siakam, uh, Trent, Achua lineup, not so great last season. 54 uh, possessions overall, uh, 0th percentile in point differential of minus 59.9 in terms of uh, per 100 possessions, so not great. Pretty rough. Their uh, offense ranked uh, in the third percentile at 100 points allowed per, or 100 points scored per 100 possessions. Gave up 159.57.9. Literally one of the worst lineups they got any run in the regular season. Uh, the only note of here here that, that like is not embarrassing when it comes to their numbers is their turnover percentage, which is in the upper crust of the league. But other everything else, bottom 25 percent. Most of it, bottom three percent in terms of effectiveness as a lineup. So maybe that one doesn't work. But with some improved shooting from Barnes or Siakam, maybe there's a little bit more offensive juice to that one. And we know that Gary Trent Jr. has driven offensive performance for the Raptors since he joined the team. And so I think there's a little bit of hope for that one. And then I also like the idea of a slightly different one. You move out Precious, you move out Gary Trent Jr., you slide in Otto Porter and slide in Thad Young. A Scotty Porter OG Siakam Thad lineup that's juicy to me. You get so much playmaking with Siakam, Thad, and Scotty. You get two knockdown shooters in Porter and OG. You get two okay shooters in Siakam and Barnes. You got cutters all over the place. You got Thad Young to find said cutters with his glorious bounce passes. That's a little pet lineup that I'm really encouraged and excited to see once the regular season comes around. Um, you know, this is the fun. Is There's all sorts of different weird machinations. And none of these have even included Fred Van Vliet, who is an incredible defender and is a great point guard who can set up your offense or work off ball. There's a lot to work with here. And I think the lineup combination drama of this coming season is going to be the most fun thing to keep tabs on as the season comes into focus. So... Great question from Charlie. We're going to continue on, round out with a couple of fun ones on aesthetics and hats and jerseys and so much more. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Locked On NFL. Uh, the Locked On NFL crew is putting together the list of their top 50 players based on which stars move the betting lines the most. Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Go check it out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, rounding out your first listen of the day here with a couple more mailbag questions. These ones are pretty fun. I like jerseys. I like aesthetics. I like to get mad about jerseys. And I'm mad about jerseys a lot these days because I think they stink. Uh, There's a great thread yesterday. I'm forgetting who it was by. Sort of digging into how minimalism has ruined NBA jerseys, throwing it back to the Raptors jerseys of the past and the Grizzlies and the Rockets of the 90s. And just making it pretty plainly clear that minimalism sucks in jersey design. Let's make it silly. Let's make it dumb. Let's make it wrestling. Like, go nuts with these jersey designs. I would like to see a return to some fun stuff. And 
this kind of goes into this question here from Wally, who asks, what theme slash culturally, culturally relevant thing would you like the team to use for the alternate jerseys in court? Kind of tired of the OVO stuff and would like to see something new. A really good question from Wally here. Um, it, it's tough because the OVO thing has obviously been a very fruitful relationship for the Raptors, and I don't think they're going to want to go away from that because of all it kind of brings them business-wise, and that's the unfortunate reality of it. And I do think there have been some good editions of OVO jerseys. I thought the one from two seasons ago was it, or it might have been last year, with the, the black and gold color scheme, but also with the full Raptor logo on the front in Toronto across the front. Like, that was a great jersey, a really, really good-looking jersey. Had no problem with that one. It's when you get into, like, the just replicating the same jersey design the Raptors have for their regular uh, uniforms with, like, the chevron, but it's gold. Like, come on, man. We can do better than that. Um, you know, I, I would like honestly, just to see the Raptors kind of tap back in a little bit to their roots. Get some more purple in there, man. Get some more dinosaur logos in there. Get silly with it. Have the dinosaur be front-facing. We love the Raptor as a mascot. Why not slap him back on a t-shirt or a jersey? That I have no problem with. And I also think it'd be really cool to see the Raptors have some sort of indigenous-themed uh, city jersey. The Toronto Blue Jays right now um, are kind of getting yelled at to do this. There's a wonderful uh, artist. I'm totally blanking on the name right now, uh, but worked with our friend Casey Bannerman. I'm going to look this up, actually, because I don't want to get the name wrong, and I want to give the art artist some credit. Um, but it, there's a, a wonderful Blue Jays jersey mock-up that has been designed by Casey Bannerman and the artist is, the name is, what do we got here? Come on, come on, come on. Uh, it's Corey Parkin is the indigenous artist who has put together this really fantastic looking mock-up of a Jays jersey. I'm actually going to see if I can try to share my screen here to show it to you because it's that awesome. Um, so let's go here, this one here, this here we go. You see this here, this beautiful, uh, wonderful indigenous design of a Toronto Blue Jays jersey. Fantastic look. And if we could get something similar, perhaps from this very artist, Corey Parkin, involving the, an indigenous take on the Toronto Raptors logo with the, the proper indigenous spelling of the team name, that would be really, really cool to me. So that's that's what I got on that one. Um, hopefully the screen shared. I'm not exactly sure. I'll have to see in post if that actually worked. But either way, uh, Corey Parkin and Casey Bannerman coming together for that Blue Jays mock-up. I would love to see a version of that for your Toronto Raptors as well. Really good question though. Next one here comes from David St. Bernard asking, if, it, if we weren't called the Raptors, what would, the, would you rename the team based on the current trajectory of the team? I'm a noted lover of the, of the team name Raptors. I, I think it's great. I think the fact that it is tied to a movie for some reason is viewed as like a negative thing against it. But the thing is, is that it's inspired by literally one of the best movies ever made in Jurassic Park with one of the most terrifying movie monsters ever seen, the Velociraptors. It's extremely cool. I'm sorry. I wouldn't change the name if, uh, like, for, for anything, really. I know there was like a sort of a wave there of Husky support when those jerseys were around and they were a thing for a second really would not go that route, I don't think. I, I would, you know, I, I think it's fine to sort of have the throwbacks every five years or whatever you want, but Huskies is a boring team name. That's, a, that's what, like, literally my elementary school's team name was. You can do a lot better than that. 
And Raptors, I think, is kind of perfect. I'm also really thankful Raptors won because we did an episode of this podcast back during the pandemic, like the very start of the pandemic. The pandemic's still going on. But back in the very start of the pandemic, during that first shutdown time, Katie Heindel and I jumped on and we kind of reviewed all the different names that were in the final vote for the Raptors back in, I think it was 1993 or four. And Raptors won it. The other ones in there, not so hot. Towers, tarantulas, hogs, uh, scorpions, like a lot of really lame ones. A lot of ones that you would see as like a create a team name in a, in a video game when you're putting together a new franchise. Like really, really rough stuff. Raptors rocks. I wouldn't change it for the world. If you were to sort of change it for based on what the team currently is, I don't know, like the Toronto Baked Beans, uh, just in honor of Scotty Barnes and his favorite food, that'd be kind of fun. But no, I just refuse the question because I think Raptors is an awesome team name. And if you're like, well, it's the Barney team, A, Barney is not a Raptor, and B, uh, no, it's made after Jurassic Park, which again is one of the greatest movies literally ever filmed and shot and made. So not a problem for me, Raptors rocks. Last question here. This one comes from our pal Freddie Revis, regular question asker. Please assign each starting Raptor a type of hat. Uh, <laughs> so we've got Pascal Siakam. We've got Fred Van Vliet. We've got OG Ananobi. We've got, we'll say Gary Trent Jr. for now as an incumbent, and we have Scotty Barnes. Pascal, I think, is the easy one. Pascal loves himself an off-season vacation photo in, like, a Caribbean locale. I think he was over in Europe very recently as well on the Mediterranean. I think for me, Pascal's going like oversized sun hat, perhaps made of straw, but like it's got a wingspan like Christian Coloco. It just goes goes on for days on the sides of this hat. I think that's sort of what I'm looking at. It's a very large, over, overdone straw hat for Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet's the old guy of the bunch. I know he's only 28, but he carries himself like a 45-year-old man, and we love him for it. He's definitely wearing like a tam, like a, like a beige tam is going to be what his look is. Pretty simple there. Uh, Scotty Barnes feels like maybe not much of a hat guy. I could see him, however. He's a Florida man's. He's from, you know, where the, the land of golf and spring training baseball. I could see Scotty Barnes being a visor guy. Get him like a really cool like ping visor. Uh, that's that's a, a, an oxymoron. Really cool ping visor is not a thing. But Scotty Barnes can make it cool. Um, so yeah, give him like a like a, an old classic like Phil Mickelson like visor, and I feel like Scotty Barnes will be starting some sort of fashion trend with that. Um, Gary Trent Jr. Really interesting one. He could go all sorts of different directions with this one. The man loves to wear clothes that are beyond what I could wear. Uh, I'm just going to look up Gary Trent Jr. hat while we look at this right now. And he te seems to have a pretty standard style of hat. Like, he likes to wear a baseball cap. He likes to wear a toque. I think that's fine. Maybe you kind of combine the best of both worlds and give him one of those toques that kind of has a baseball hat bill worked in there as well. So for the weather in the wintertime, he's both stylish and warm. Uh, so that's where I'll go there. And for OG Ananobi, somebody said cowboy hat in the replies to this question on Twitter. That's kind of perfect. Uh, <laughs> can't really argue too much with that one. Um, you know, I think you could also see him with uh, not not like a cowboy hat, but one of those like large 10-gallon foam hats you get from Wonderland. 
that could also be kind of fun, just sort of a more exaggerated take on the cowboy hat. Um, but I, OG in a cowboy hat, wear some cowboy boots and a scarf. I think you got yourself a, an award-winning look there if you're OG Ananobi. So great question from Freddie. We're going to wrap it up there on that very silly note. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate it, as always, for supporting, subscribing, telling a friend, rating, leaving five-star reviews, all that good stuff. You're the best, and uh, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day locked on NBA. So they are covering every happening in the NBA over the course of Summer League and the offseason. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, all of it's covered there every single day with a rotating cast of wonderful hosts, including tomorrow's guest, John Corrales, who I believe hosts the Monday edition or the Tuesday edition of Locked on NBA with Jake Madison of Locked on Pelicans. So go check that out, and we'll be back again tomorrow talking to John Corrales about the state of the Eastern Conference. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.